What makes a great leader great? How do we create a high-performing team? And when we say leader, we mean everyone, because everyone is leading their own life. Will yours be a life by design or a life by default? Those are the big questions, and this podcast will answer them. Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast, where we help you apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders, because great leaders will produce great results. All right, welcome back to our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners. This is your host today, Rob Schallenberger, and I've got on our show today a great guest, Greg Belaine. And I'll tell you just a little bit about Greg and then have him go into, you know, a few more details about his personal life, who he is, and and why this is going to be an important podcast to listen to, what thoughts he may have to share with us. So let me just jump right into this and give you a little background on Greg, and then we'll start rolling with a few questions here that I have for him. So starting in the beginning, he really started his professional career as a developer. So the tech world, the computer world, once he got rolling into things and, and shortly afterward, he founded a technology company where he bought several cloud-based products and, and took those to market. After they were acquired, Greg went on the lead business development with several of the top global technology consulting firms throughout the world, where he was directly responsible for generating over $250 million in revenue. And then in 2014, Greg's passion for building these high-growth tech companies led him back to startups where he joined Bump, and you can talk more about this, Greg, as their COO. From that point, he spearheaded their eventual pivot to events.com, which some of you may be familiar with, uh, maybe others not. He'll talk to us about that. And there he maintained responsibility for all of their product development, sales, marketing, and so on. And uh, since then, you know, Greg has led several other turnarounds in that tech space. What I also found interesting was Greg is a former D1 athlete, played on the offensive line at San Diego State. He holds an MBA from University of Southern California's Marshall School of Business. So, Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rob. I, I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm happy to be on your show. It definitely speaks to me, you know, just sort of my journey and kind of continued journey to personal best is very important to me. And I, I, I just great to talk to you and, and, and be part of this. Well, you know, let's jump into this. You're going to people are going to get a sense of who you are as we continue to go through this podcast. Before we talk business, we have a wide swath of listeners. You know, there's some yeah. people who are leading Fortune 500 companies around the world who listen to this. There are other people in the education space. You know, there are people who are raising their children full time. So there's a pretty wide swath of people listening to this from all different cultures and backgrounds. So let's start with the athletics because that's kind of a fascinating thing. So you played American football and I say American football, you know, we're talking the hundred yards, not, not soccer here for those who are outside the U.S. So you played at San Diego State. You played on the offensive line. We were briefly talking just before we started the podcast and I thought that was kind of a cool you made a couple of cool statements there. So elaborate on that. How has athletics, how has that experience as a D1 athlete helped you become who you have today? How does that help you become a better leader? Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I look back at really my athletic background and really my college athletic background is, is probably the most pivotal mo- moments in my life or moment in my life. And I mean, first of all, some of my best friends in the world are are still people who were my teammates and, and roommates in college. And, and there's just such a band of brother of being part of a team that that carries with it. But but more than that, you know, I, I think what what sports really brings to the table is it's the ultimate meritocracy. And and I think that that's really important in just sort of, you know, your professional world and, um, you know, life in general and in, in regards to there's nothing that's going to ever be handed to you. And, you know, especially in sports. 
if you're not willing to kind of work hard and, and train and, and compete and do all the things that are you know important for you to be able to go out there and and play at a high level and 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 sort of not get you know beat, you can take that to your your personal life, your professional life, and it, and it really carries through. Let's just go back to that. What was, say, your biggest lesson learned? And all of that experience, I think you said you played for five years, you redshirted as a freshman, you were around 300-ish pounds, and now you're at like 210. So, you know, that's yeah. great. <laughs> you're 6'5". Yeah. What was your biggest lesson learned from that whole experience? Oh, man. I'd say hard work and compete. I mean, it just truly is that. I think that that's something that's allowed me to you know, be successful in my own career. I mean, it, it's helped me get to where I am or, you know, any success that I've had. But it's ultimately, you know, the willingness to to put in the time and put in the effort and put in the work necessary, you know, and, and to your point to, that you brought up and we were talking about uh, before we went live, I graduated high school as kind of a skinnier kid. I'm, I'm tall and I'm, I got a big frame, but I was, you know, pretty undersized for a division one offensive lineman. And, you know, I had to put on about 60 pounds of mostly muscle to be able to compete and play at that level. So that's obviously dedication to your diet and weight room and working out. And then thankfully, when I got done playing, I was able to to draw most of that weight, which once again is, you know, dedication to diet and all those different things. But I think the one thing that really came out of it is if you want to be successful in life, if you you want to do well, if you want to get the things that you you need, no one's going to give them to you. It's ultimately the work you put in is going to be the results that, that come out of it. Yeah, that's fabulous, Greg. You know, we're writing a new book right now and can't share the title yet, but uh, we were having a team meeting this morning and one of the team members shared a comment and he was talking about the word discipline and he defined it as doing what you should do when you should do it, regardless of the way you feel. Right. And if you're going to be successful in almost, I say you, if any of us are going to be successful in any walk of life, it requires discipline under that definition, doing what we should do when we should do it, sometimes regardless of the way we feel. (laughs) So true. You know, I'm just thinking of all that you probably had to go through to bulk up 60 pounds of muscle, getting up at 5 a.m. to be in the gym. You don't want to do that, but doing what you should do when you should do it, regardless of the way you feel. (laughs) <laughs> I know. And, and you know, it's crazy. It's like the things that I had to do in college, you know, you get so sick of eating. I mean, it, and, and there's there's a bunch of high profile, you know, guys that talk about it that gained a bunch of weight when they were playing football in the NFL, etc. But I lived it. I mean, it, the truth was like, I would eat a gallon of ice cream before I went to bed at night, or wow. I would eat a you know, a, a large pizza before I went to uh, bed at night, because I knew that if I didn't eat it, I would lose a pound or two that day. And I, I couldn't lose that pound. I couldn't afford to lose that pound. And, and, you know, now that we're all getting a little bit older, it's like, you know, the complete opposite, right? Like, I wish I could go back to college. I literally was forced to eat everything I could. Oh, could you imagine? Hey, honey, I need to go eat a gallon of ice cream. I'll be yeah. right back. <laughs> all right. Well, let's jump into some of the other side, you, you know, great background there, Greg. As far as the business side, there's so many lessons learned, just like your D1 experience could apply to so many of us. It's grit, it's hard work, it's getting up, it's that discipline that we just talked about. Uh, So many lessons learned in business can apply to people, whether they're in business or not. And so you've had the chance to see a lot of different things from your perspective, especially in the tech space, but your lessons learned, your experiences will certainly apply across the board. So, you know, one of the things you've had the chance to go into a number of companies with the directive to make big changes. That's Mm -hmm. not always easy to do. You know, sometimes people don't receive you well, or they're thinking, who's this guy that's going to come in here and change things up? I mean, there's just a lot of dynamics that go in that. You know, it's like a head coach. Let's go back to your football. It's like a head coach who comes into a team 
And his directive is, hey, turn this, uh, you know, two and nine team into a winning team. It's like, there's a lot of variables that are going to go into that. So as you approach that situation where you go into these companies, you've got a lot of people who you're dealing with. How do you approach winning hearts and minds in that process? Oh man, that's a great, that's a great question. And and that's truly something that I think I've gotten better at in my career, you know, having, having done this a couple of different times. Uh, you know, I think early on you come in and you might have the right answers. You might have the right experience to help that company, but you know, without the hearts and minds, you're, you're never going to be nearly as successful. And what I've found is the first thing you need to do when you realize, uh, when you come into a new company is realize it's all about your people. The hearts and minds, you know, so to speak, is is the most important part of turning any company around because there are going to be some great people there. And you wouldn't be brought in if that group of people hadn't built something pretty good. Right. I mean, there's definitely some problems. There's definitely some issues. But somebody made a decision that there was enough there that they wanted to bring in some outside help to kind of get them back on track. So, I, you know, I think the first thing you need to do is you need to come in and, you know, listen. You know, talk to every single person on the team, really understand what they do. Most of the time, they're going to know the problems before you do, you know, and, and let them talk, let them have a voice. The other thing to do is don't ever get overly critical with the work that's been done in the past. It's really easy to Monday morning quarterback, so to speak, when you come into an organization and you're like, oh, why did you guys do this? This was a ridiculous decision. This made no sense. Why are we spending money on this thing? But the truth of the matter is you can't go back in time and understand all the things that went into making that decision in the first place. And, and whether it, you know, in time it's played out to be the right decision or not, there's probably a group of really intelligent, capable people that thought long and hard about making that decision beforehand. So give them that credit and then you can talk about where we need to go forward. So I, I would say that, you know, kind of my lessons learned with this is you know, come into these organizations, treat the people with the respect they deserve, really open up and listen and, and, you know, like be appreciative and give respect to the work that they've put in before you came on board and then get them on board with seeing sort of a future vision and then help them understand that your job is only to make them more successful in the future. You know, that's really great insight. Like I mentioned there, Greg, and that as I look at different people, you know, in, in our company, when we do training, we focus on three things, people, culture, strategy. And there's this old saying that I know that most people have probably heard, but you just reminded us of that. And that is that people don't care until they know how much we care. And anytime you go into a turnaround, that's a, that's not an easy environment to be in. So I love that advice. Listen, don't critique the previous group. That's easy to do, isn't it? I mean, presidents are tempted to do that every time they get in office. Governors, same thing. It's very easy to critique a predecessor. And that is great advice. So uh, let's continue building on that thought process because, you know, we're talking about culture here a little bit. From your perspective, how important is culture within an organization? I mean, we just talked about the people. Now let's talk about the culture. You know, why and how important is that from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think culture is everything. I'm a, I'm a huge believer in culture. I think we've all have been parts of whether it's, you know, athletics or whether it's professional or, or whether it's, you know, something that's even outside of it. You know, we've been parts of groups that have great cultures and you just sort of feel it and you feel that camaraderie of the the group, you know, really all pulling together and, and, and feeling like we're sort of together and we have a common goal and a common vision. And I think we've all been part of bad cultures, right, where, where it's the opposite. So for me, you know, I think it's really important to, to, to build and help build a great culture. I think the one thing I've also learned a little bit, though, with my experience is you can't fabricate it. 
you can't come in from the outside and say, hey, this is the culture I want to build and then kind of like artificially create it. I've found that in, in, in from my experience, the cultures all sort of happen a little bit organically. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with the people that you hire and the type of people that you hire. You know, we used to always say something internally that culture has a lot to do with who you hire, unfortunately, who you fire and who you promote, right? If you have the right kind of people that, you know, you want to build your company around, and those are the people that you're promoting, or those are the people that you continue to bring in the company and the activities and the way they're doing things on, the, on a daily basis are the things that you're calling out and you're showing appreciation to the rest of the team, you're going to start to see that the rest of the group is going to start to act in that fashion. And we always look at culture as not what you do, but how you do it. You know, from my role as, as, as a leader in the organization, it's kind of my job to set that vision or that ultimate objective of where we need to go, that strategy. But at the end of the day, it's the culture, it's the people that are there and it's the how they do things on a day in day out basis is going to determine how successful we are as a company. Yeah. And you know, you can sense a culture within a few minutes of walking through the doors, can't you? You can. I mean, you really it, can. it's kind of like flipping on, since we're talking about sports, it's kind of like turning on ESPN or whatever sports network you're going to watch within like two or three minutes of watching a game, you can get a sense of what kind of culture exists within a team by watching mm -hmm. the coach, the players, how they interact with each other. I don't know if I mentioned to you or not, Greg, I had the chance to be an F-16 pilot for 11 years. And, you know, as a fighter pilot in the Air Force, that is a high performance culture because the stakes are so high. You make certain mistakes, people will die, you know, on both sides of that. And so I'm right with you. Culture is a huge deal. Now, there's a lot of people listening to this that are in different walks of life. So how do you change a culture? You know, say you have a culture that's already established and you want to improve it. From your perspective and experience, what are some things that people could be thinking about that would help them improve or change a culture that's already established? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. First, I don't think you can artificially create a culture. I think culture is going to happen sort of organically, right? It's, it's like, uh, it's like planting a garden, you know, you just can like, you kind of want to plant the seeds and water it and give it sunlight. But you know, at the end of the day, it's going to do what it, it, it's going to do. And then secondly, I don't think culture and, and, you know, I think a lot of people think it is, it's not about ping pong tables. It's not about, you know, uh, you know, a, a keg in the kitchen so people can drink beers, you know, whatever it is. Like, I don't think that that has anything to do with culture. I think culture comes down to alignment of the team. So making sure that everybody is pulling in the same direction. Like, what are we here to do? What is our goal? What is our purpose? What is our why? So I think, you know, one of the first things you need to do if you want to create that culture is, is, is put that in a place, like make sure that the team understands what the goal is and what the objection and objective is, and make sure it's clear to every single person in the team. And then secondly, set like guidelines of who you want to be or how you want to do things. You know, what's important to you? Is it about teamwork? Is it about innovation? Is it about your customer? Is customer one of the most important things within your organization? And you kind of set these core values that, that exist within your team. And then what you do is you kind of put the people in place and you let them run and you let them operate. And then, you know, like I said, unfortunately, you know, I think a lot has to do with, you know, who you hire, who you fire and who you promote. You know, if your best people are the ones that are living by these core values and are most aligned to what the core of the company is, you're going to start to see that the rest of the group's going to fall in behind it. And then before you know it, you're going to have this culture that starts to form that meets, you know, this high performance that you're looking to bring into any type of organization. The way you said that, Greg, was awesome. There's a phrase that we like to use when we're talking about culture, and that is 
you get a sense of what a culture is like when people use phrase, that's how we do it around here. Yeah. When they say, well, that's how we do it around here. Whether that's good or bad, you know, that's a cultural thing. And so, you know, you think about the phrases for those who are in a, in a corporate capacity listening to this, what type of phrases do you use that around? You know, that's how we do it around here. What does that look like? And Greg mentioned core values. That's a huge deal. You know, for example, a core value that I see oftentimes is ownership. You know, the get or done attitude that you want on the team. <laughs> when you touch it, you own it. You take it to completion. And so I agree, Greg, having that strategic alignment is one of those things that lends itself to having a high performance culture. And that comes back to being a leadership issue. And I like the phrase that you're using there, who we hire, who we fire, and who we promote. Uh, because yep. that sends a message, right? Just like you you know, articulated right there. So it's good for people to be thinking about culture. You know, what does your culture look like right now? What are your core values? Do your employees know the core values? Do they know how their roles fit into them? How do you do it around there in your organization? You know, <laughs> and what do those look like? So good things to be thinking about. So let me talk about some of your lessons learned along, along the way. You built, you know, some great businesses. You joined Bump as their COO. So if you had to identify, say, two or three of your biggest lessons learned along the way, what would those be, Greg? And they can be business related. They could be leadership related. You know, numbers doesn't really matter. Sky's the limit here. What are the two or three biggest lessons learned you've, you've learned throughout your life and, and in these different capacities? You know, probably from a personal perspective, it's never, never stop trying to move forward. And sometimes it's just sort of like getting the ball rolling to get that momentum moving forward. So in other words, it's like the old proverb. It's like, you know, how do you eat an elephant? And the answer is one bite at a time. And I, I think some people can get a little bit wrapped around the axle when they think about a goal and that goal feels too big. It's like, how do I do all of that? And then you fall into this sort of paralysis by analysis thing. Hmm. And what I find is sometimes I just need to force myself to like write that first word or do that first Google search or, you know, make that first phone call. Right. And it's like, that's all I'm worried about at that time. And, and then I'll find that if I do that, it leads to the next thing and then it leads to the next thing. And then before you know it, you're into it. Right. And instead of sitting there thinking about all the things that need to get done, you're sort of just you just become engrossed in it. And then you kind of get motivated by it. And then it, it sparks new ideas, new creativities. And you start going in all these different directions and you kind of kind of move that ball forward. From a personal perspective, that's one of the, the, the big lessons learned I've had. Let me ask, can, I ask you, can I ask you one yep. question on that, Greg? When you mm -hmm. say never stop moving forward, can you expand on that a little bit? What do you mean never stop moving forward? Yeah, don't get complacent. Constantly try to improve yourself. I still like to compete. So whether it's we just got a Peloton bike, right? Like, so it's like me trying to get my next PR and the Peloton and getting better at that. Me picking up a new hobby. I just started um, painting recently. I just picked up art in the last really since this whole COVID thing hit and, you know, I was trapped in the home and I taught myself how to do oil paintings. And now I'm um, you know, going down that road. But, you know, then, you know, professionally, it's it's constantly try to try to be a student of the game, you know, like, what's the newest books that are out there? What are the newest, you know, who are you following? What are you trying to learn? How do you continue to make yourself better, and more effective in, in life, both professionally and, and personally? Yeah, great advice. And then you were going to before I jumped in and asked you to go back on that, you were going to talk about the professional side of things. Yeah, you know, from where I sit, and, you know, maybe coming from kind of a more of an operations role, but to now to be more of a, you know, a CEO type of role where I, where I am today. 
it's real easy, like kind of lip service for leaders to sort of say stuff like hire great people and get out of their way. And, you know, <laughs> oh, I don't like to micromanage and all that. But the truth of the matter is, it's hard not to micromanage and it's hard to get out of people's way. So, you know, one of the things that I've, I think I've gotten a lot better at and I've been more successful with is understanding when to get involved and when truly not to. And I used to feel like as a leader, I needed to be in all the meetings because I needed to show my team that I cared and I needed to show my team how hard I worked. And what I started to realize is actually by being, being by me being in the meetings, I would just naturally interject my thoughts. And then, of course, you know, sometimes when you're the highest title in the room, the, the rest of the group kind of defaults to you and they get nervous and they don't speak their way. And then before you know it, you really are micromanaging your company, even if you're not getting into the granular details. So, you know, what I really try to do now more than anything is, is stay at a higher level. I have roles as CEO of my company that, you know, I need to handle, whether it's fundraising, whether it's PR, whether it's getting out there selling the company, hiring, motivating, inspiring, recruiting, et cetera. But if you trust the people that you have in those roles, truly get out of their way and don't micromanage them and trust them and let them work truly autonomously. And I, and I think that that was something that early in my career I used to say I did. But the truth of the matter is I didn't. You know, it's not necessarily easy to do that, is it? Both from the professional side and even at home. You know, we all, I shouldn't say we all, but many people listening to this have children, uh, nieces, nephews, whatever, but especially children. Kind of the same principle applies there. You know, if we micromanage their life all the way through, at some point it becomes very easy to rebel. They, you know, they want to have their own input and in life. And, and, you know, we've seen that with our 18 year old, now 15 year old son is we have got to allow them their freedom to point them in the right direction, set expectations that motivate them, but then allow them to, you know, stumble, trip or fall here or there. And it's, it's really the same in business. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, absolutely. You know, different, but this, but similar in regards to like, you know, I obviously have a, I have a 10 year old. Except you can't fire your children. <laughs> yeah, you can't fire your children, but, but you know, I mean, you just, your job as a parent, right. Is to protect your kids. Like that's just what we do. And like, you love them more than anything in the world. And it's just so hard to see them struggle or, or have any kind of the challenges. And, you know, I talk about this with my wife all the time about raising our kids. I grew up with a very blue collar family. My mom was stayed home. My dad's not college educated, blue collar guy, like ended up kind of like doing well for himself as an entrepreneur. But there were times where, you know, we didn't have everything we wanted to have. And, you know, I, I think I kind of grew up with a little chip on my shoulder, right? Like I had something to prove to people, right? Like I, I wanted to be able to do more than I was, you know, or, or that I was able to do as a kid. And I think that that kind of drive has really helped me in my, obviously my, my athletic career, but also in my professional career. And sometimes I look at my, my wife and I look at my kids and it's like, they have just so much. And it's not, not because I have so much or anything like that. It's just, I think times have changed and we're just, there's just more out there and there's more available. And, you know, it's like, I kind of want my kids to have a little chip on their shoulder, right? Like, I don't want them to be entitled. I don't want life to come that easy. I want them to be able to overcome sort of adversity. But to where this started from, it's really hard to kind of watch your kids suffer or have a hard time. And there's the irony. You know, you were talking about micromanaging is, is that is an approach, right? You know, we can micromanage, but in the end, that doesn't really allow them those opportunities that you've just talked about, which... You know, anybody who's been successful in any form of life will look back and say, yeah, man, I remember when I stumbled there, 
man, I learned a good lesson through that, <laughs> you know, or whatever yeah. that is. And so as hard as it is to watch, we've got to allow that to happen. You know, from the company perspective, it's slightly different. You know, it's not parenting exactly, but there are some certain parallels and that's not easy to do for a strong, you know, for those that like personality assessments and a lot of people are familiar with the disc assessments. If you're a strong D personality mm-hmm. or a strong C, that is not easy necessarily to step back and not micromanage. You know, you have a way that you want it done in your mind. And, but at the same time, if we're micromanaging right on top of people, that really doesn't allow them the freedom to grow, to own, to lead. And in the end, that's going to stifle their productivity, creativity, and performance. It's a great thought that you shared there, Greg. And I think that's something we could all internalize. You know, how are we leading our teams? Yeah. Do we need to be there in certain meetings or can we pull out of that meeting? <laughs> yeah. As one example that you use. So, hey, I can't believe it's already been 26 minutes. That is amazing, Greg. So as we get ready to wrap up here, any parting thoughts for our listeners? You've shared some great thoughts about culture, changing culture, micromanaging, some of those lessons learned, you know, never stop moving forward. So a lot of great nuggets that are really valuable for anybody listening. Any parting comments or thoughts? You know, we have this big poster that's in our, uh, it's not a poster, it's a flag that's hung up in my office. And it's, it's one of my favorite sayings. And it just says, give a damn. And excuse, you know, anybody <laughs> that's involved. But from a culture perspective, when I hire, you know, just in life, like, just care, like, have some passion, find something that you're passionate about. Or if, if you're not passionate about it, find a way to become passionate about it. Cause that's the most important thing in life. Um, you know, we're all here and we, we do what we do and, you know, we're all trying to raise our families and we're all trying to work. And, you know, I, I hope that we're trying to be as best as we can, but you know, you gotta, we gotta find a way to have that passion and give a damn, whether it's work or your professional life and work hard at it. And, if there's gaps, get interested and get, you know, get, get curious and, and figure out how a way to make it interesting. But that would be my, my, my parting sort of comment. Yeah, that's a great one, Greg. <laughs> Is, do you happen to have a website or any place that be, people could find you if they wanted to learn more about you? Yeah, I'm not a big social guy, unfortunately. But yeah, Twitter, Greg underscore Spillane. Uh, Instagram's Greg underscore Spillane. But uh, yeah, if anybody wants to reach out to me, hit me up. I'm at Greg at Fancy.com. That's, our, that's my, my email address. And I'd, I'd love to hear from people. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you've shared some great thoughts, Greg. So it's been a pleasure having you on our podcast today. And thanks for taking a few minutes. You're doing some awesome things out there. And you never know where, you know, a thought may impact someone. So we appreciate you sharing your wisdom and thoughts. Thanks, Rob. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. To all our listeners, uh, thanks for listening in today. We'll be back next week. We hope you have a fabulous day and a great week. Thank you for listening. Would you like help to apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders in your life, in your family, or in your organization? Call us today at 888-690-8764 to speak with a helpful representative to evaluate your situation and how we can help. Or you can visit becomingyourbest.com. Whether it's a corporate training event, keynote, workshop, trainer certification, or personal coaching, It would be our pleasure to serve your needs. Once again, call 888-690-8764 or visit becomingyourbest.com today.